It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. Captain Ahab was in search of the white whale, but the great white is a whole other story. And my guest found his great white a long time ago. He's Jack Russell of Jack Russell's Great White. The group will be performing this Friday, May 12th at 8 p.m. in the Golden Nugget, Las Vegas. For ticket information, go to goldennugget.com. And for everything about Jack Russell and the band, go to jackrussellsgreatwhiteband.com. Jack, welcome to the show. Thank you. Nice to be here. Okay, quick question right out of the bag. Do you ever get a chance to go back to Montebello? You know what? I haven't been there in, oh my God. <laughs> I took a film crew there a while back, many, many years ago. We were shooting a, a biography about me. And um, four years of shooting, and it came down to an hour documentary about the Rhode Island tragedy. And it was... It was it, it just became something wasn't supposed to be, but it was really weird that I went there and, and uh, realized this is where I was born. You know, yeah, it was really quite the quite the deal. Made made me feel really old. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were born in an area or a city that's near uh, the El Monte Legion Stadium, which was a big big thing at a certain yeah. point in time as well. Did you get any inspiration from any of the local rockers when you first started in rock? Yeah, Van Halen. Van Halen, for sure. They were out playing. They were called Mammoth before they changed their name to Van Halen. There wasn't too many other bands that I thought were really uh, really that great. So I didn't really uh, you know, feel like I needed to uh, follow in their footsteps, so to speak. Um, we were doing our own thing. And, um, you know, it was uh, we were pretty happy with it. Especially, you know, once we got to the point where we we did the one spitting album. I know I'm jumping ahead of that's bit, okay. But we uh we found our niche. You know, what I mean, when we did Rock Me, I went like, okay, now this is where the van should be musically. I figured we found our spot. You know, it was a little different than anything else. It was bluesy, but it was still rock, and um, so it it just felt comfortable. So you know, we we that was our home. How did you know you hit the sweet spot at that point? Was it just to your ears? You heard it. And you knew this was it, or did people give you feedback, or was it a combination of the two? No, you know, I never relied too much on people's feedback because people tell you anything you want to hear. True, you know. Um, so, I mean, even today, you know, I mean, I know if I have a bad night, I'll know I had a bad night. People <laughs> going, "You sang the best I've heard you. You sounded better than you did when you were 25." I'm going. What concert were you at? You know, did you just hear the same show I did? Because I didn't hear that one. Um, I appreciate the accolades, but you know, right? Um, you know, but you know, I, I always trust my own ear. You know, I mean, I figure I'm like John Q. Public when it comes to music. If I like it, pretty much everybody else is going to like it. You know, I don't. I'm not like this. Uh, elephant ear guy that don't you know i hear things and nobody else hears and i'm like this you know mozart 
you know, like, oh, if he hears it, nobody else will get it, but it'll be a supreme piece of music. You know, <laughs> if I like it, it's pretty much Johnny on the spot, like every Joe Jernke public's going to dig it, you know, which makes it nice because I'm not a, I'm not swayed by a, an opinion that's biased from thinking I'm so cool, you know, or thinking I know everything <laughs> about music. So I, I could just, you know, whatever I like, it's different and obscure. And, you know, it's an interesting concept of the, what they call the lead singer generally and the band, the rest of the band. And I always wondered, have you ever thought about that, the, the difference between a lead singer and the band in this sense? I, I'm a little convoluted here, but that's, I think, just me. When you, you as a, as a singer can go to any band in a way and start or start a new band, but a band that loses its lead singer has to, some, has to make a, a additional adjustments, make sure they get somebody that can fit the sound of the band. Have you ever thought about that? Yeah, you know, I've, I've, for me personally, and I'm not saying this because it's in my court, but I've, when bands change lead singers, I tend not to, to like the band anymore because I just don't like David Lee Roth. You know, when he was out of Van Halen, granted, Sammy Hagar is a much better technical singer, and he's got, I would say, a better voice. You know, but Dave Lee Roth was Van Halen. You know, he was he was the spark. He was the, you know, he was the engine that kept it humming. You know, or like if you took Steven Tyler and took him out of Aerosmith and replaced him with anybody, I I wouldn't care for it. You know, because that that voice is signature Aerosmith. You know, I think the voice is is what's identifiable about bands. You know, I mean, sure, there's bands like Van Halen where you had, you know, a guitarist that was like, you know, ahead of his time. And um, there's other bands of the same same ilk. But I think the vocals are what puts the uh, signature stamp on a band. And when bands change vocalists, I tend to kind of lose interest. That's a good word you use, signature. I think that's what I was aiming at with my question is the the singer is the signature of a band. I agree with you. In other words, what I'm trying to say is it, it just takes a different coloration when a particular singer leaves a band and another singer comes in. It doesn't mean they won't have continued success as a band. It's just a different sure. sound just and approach. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what drives you to perform? It's something that I've always wanted to do ever since I can remember. I mean, since I was a wee lad, you know, I mean, and I just haven't had enough yet. You know, I, I haven't got enough. Uh, I don't think you ever do. At least, at least I could never imagine having enough of it. You know, it's it's a what a great job. You know, it's it's you you get like instant gratification. You know, and um, people will tell you you're great even if you suck. <laughs> you mentioned that earlier. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, how bad can it be, right? <laughs> <laughs> but there's something about going on stage and you don't get that when you're sitting at home writing a song. When you're out in front of, a, as you say, immediate gratification, you've got, you've got the reaction of the fans. And it just, I would imagine, is the, is the driving force that allows you to have a career such as you've had over the decades. Sure, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I mean, I, I'm very fortunate. I mean, not, you know, there's a lot of bands that, you know, become more successful in, than Great White. Um, a lot of people more successful than myself, but it, 
longevity factor i'm still playing you know and this is the only thing i've ever done since i was you know old enough to work you know i mean i i started singing i started my first band when i was 11 and um That's young. everything turned into great white when i was uh when i was 21 that's when we changed the name but i met mark kendall when i was 16 so uh, i'm 62 now so if you do the math you know we had been been together for a long long time you know sad to say everything kind of fell apart but you know life throws your curveballs and things go the way they go you know but i'm happy i'm still playing i got a great band got a great great fan base you know it's uh i i have everything to be happy for tell us a little bit about that connection with fans because i know that's important to you how does that affect you when you go from city to city and you're touring and you encounter all these different people that have followed you and listened to you and enjoyed you for a long time and new ones as well new fans yeah, it's great. It's great. It's a great feeling, you know what I mean, to have people that have been stalking you for, you know, 30 years. And, you know, like that. I think that's, well, kind, of, that's kind of a hard ever. term, isn't it? Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. People kind of go, God, I've been waiting forever to meet you. I've been coming. I went to shows for 30 years and I've always wanted to meet you. I finally got to cut up with you. I go, hey, you finally got me. Right so, no, I, I appreciate that, you know. People are just amazing to me. I mean, they're they're the loyalty. Um, some people, it's just it's just uh, mind boggling. Have you ever you done know, some inf in, informal research asking your fans what it is about you and the band that causes them to be diehard fans and quote unquote stalk you for decades? <laughs> no, I haven't. I don't really ask them stuff like that. You know, they'll tell me. You know, they'll just say. You know, like a lot of people say. Uh, you know, your music is a soundtrack of my life and and which is you know what a great compliment i mean that it's is, like that. absolutely how do you how do you top that one you can't you know? no you can't you know? and, and you know it's they'll tell you you know they music has changed my life or you know it kept me from committing suicide or you know got me off drugs and when you hear things like that it just shows you how cool what you know i'm able to do is and how fortunate and lucky and blessed I am to be able to do what I do. And you're having an impact on people's lives, which is, you know, people don't think about that. There are great doctors that save lives. They don't necessarily think of performers as saving lives. But as you said, a lot of people will listen to music and it gets them out of a funk. It helps them adjust to some problem that they've had. Sure. It, it, sure. It, I mean, music is the universal voice. I mean, you can... You can, I mean, if I feel depressed and I want to be depressed because I'm feeling bad, I'll put on a song that, you know, about a you know a guy with a broken heart or something, or, you know I mean? Or if I want to be lifted up, I'll put some, a happy tune on, you know? Music can affect you in many, many ways. It can, you know, put your head in whatever space you want it to right. be in, which is uh, something magical, you know, that not everything, not everything can do that. I mean, I can't watch a movie really and, and, you know, get the same effect. You know, a song is like, you know, five minutes of, yeah, I feel better now, you know. I know my left me, my old lady left me in the dirt, <laughs> took all my money, but I feel great, you know. I, I suspect you're a secret country music fan. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> my dog died under my porch. My old lady's under the porch with him. 
Yeah. Oh, no. I'm surprised. No, country, music. <laughs> country music is the new rock. Because yeah, there is no more rock. I see. I, I could see you though as a country performer too. You've got just your. Vo I'm listening to your voice, and your voice just reminds me of certain country singers. And one, I, in particular, strange as it may seem, who's no longer with us and has not been with us for a long time, you have a slight Jimmy Dean sound to your voice. Oh, really? Yes. Not the sausage guy, though. The right? sausage guy, yes. But he was a country singer, and he did the sausages. So both. Are you serious? I was just making a joke. No, it's true. He licensed was the yes. guy. That is the guy. Oh yeah, he licensed his name and likeness and voice. I don't oh, know if he owned the company, but God. he licensed it all. Totally making a joke. That <laughs> <laughs> turned around to bite me in the ass. <laughs> yeah, Jimmy <laughs> Dean was famous for a lot of songs, and then he ended up making some either some deal with the company or formed the company himself. However, it was, and they're still advertising his voice and likeness in ads even today. I saw one on YouTube right, the other sure. day. Right, sure. Yeah, I see him all the time. Yeah. But that's it, no, Jimmy no, Dean. No, that's a real dude, the real McCoy. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> what a trip. <laughs> yeah, that just blows my mind, man. No, I know I was, trying to be all, I was trying to be all funny. No, this is good, because I know you have a sense of humor, and I was going to ask you if it takes a sense of humor to survive in rock. Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. You can't take yourself too seriously, because if you do, you're done. Yeah. You know, I mean, everything's too serious in the, in the world as it is. You know, music's supposed to be an escape from that. At least in my eyes, you know. But you're dealing with you're dealing with managers and agents and fans and problems on logistics and touring and all of that stuff. And I would imagine if you let any of that get to you, very shortly you wouldn't want to do it anymore. I imagine so. I imagine so. That's why I hire people to deal with that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Have <laughs> that, hire a person to look up Jimmy Dean for you because. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. I need Jimmy Jack Dean. When you hear his voice, you'll say, "You know what? I was right. I do sound a little like him." That's like you know, that's okay. Because I, I have Dean. this. I have a picture of you at the Grand Ole Opry for some reason, even though it's a different genre. I just you just have that that a look and sound about you for some reason to me. Maybe not. Oh, that's else. wild. That's wild. <laughs> so we talked about the fans earlier. How important is the new fan? They discover you through either generationally through their parents, for example, sure. or they just hear about the band and you and they come and see the show. So how important is that that new fan compared to the dedicated fans you've had for a long time? Well, the new fans are just as important as the old fans. You know, I mean, I, it's. It's always good to keep your fan base growing. You know, you want more people to hear your music and you want the younger people to, to enjoy your music as well. I mean, because there's really nothing else for them to find. I mean, I don't, at least I don't think so. I don't, I don't really think there is any rock music anymore. I mean, you look at the Grammys, it's, it's a joke, you know, in rock music, you know, best rock song. I, I don't even can't remember what it was, but it wasn't rock. You know, I don't even watch those shows anymore because they're so just, you know, I don't know. They're not what they should be. Do you, you think know, Do you think that will, yeah, it, does, it has changed. Do you think it will change back or you think we've lost that golden period of time when you had radio stations playing rock records and, uh, or now, of course, uh, digital, but. You have digital downloads, which I don't know if that helps you guys or it doesn't help you guys, but it's a, it's a totally different world now than it was when you were first coming up with the band. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I don't know if I have an opinion on that. Uh, it's, 
it's whether it's going to get better anybody's guess because i didn't think it would ever get to this you know i I thought rock and roll was going to be around forever you know and there'd always be some form of rock on the radio because that's all i've ever known sure i mean since i was a kid you know it's been rock 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 i mean zeppelin aerosmith kiss uh humble pie um you know you go back into the early 60s and then in the 70s and in the 80s and the 90s and 2000s and then all of a sudden it just started breaking apart and collapsing in on itself and it's just not the same and people don't look at it the same i know a lot of people that aren't even into music anymore they just you know hung up their headphones and that's it Obviously, there's still a demand for the music because people are going to live venues where you perform. And, and again, this Friday, May 12th at 8 p.m. at the Golden Nugget with your band. And so there's, there is that need for it or the demand for it. And they get the live experience as sure. opposed to not, even if they listen to it on the radio, it's not the same as a live performance. So that's where I think you guys shine, not just you, but other bands as well, as you're giving a performance, a show. And it's not just a recorded piece that they can listen to or not listen to. Yeah, right. No, no, I, I agree. I think, uh, you know, the life's blood of rock and roll is still there. You know, I mean, it's uh, people you, you can't uh, you, you can't deny a whole generation of its of his music and say that it was meaningless and not meaningful. I mean, you know, call it hair bands. And people go, does that bother you? Well, yeah, it does bother me. I mean, you know, that's like saying the seventies were hair bands. We had had long hair too, you know. (laughs) And the sixties they had long hair. So all of a sudden we chastised for it, you know. Well, I think that the the standard should be how the music sounds, not whether you had hair or not. Right, right. Now we're hairless bands. (laughs) (laughs) I got more hair on my chin than I got on my head. You you released, it was I think 2017, the uh, album He Saw It Coming, right? Yeah. And when you released it, that's Roughly around a time when there was a lot of technological change, etc. Does it sound like a cliche question? Were you satisfied with the release of the album? Were you happy with it? As opposed to maybe if it was done 10 years before or 10 oh, years later? No. If it was done in like 1990 or 1989, it would have been a whole different ballgame. Right. You know, because it was just, you don't get no airplay. I mean, having airplay on, on records is, you know, key to its success especially a band like us, we're a radio band, you know, you know, our show, our, 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 our show is dynamic and it's live and that's what people come to see, but it starts with the song, you know, and the songs are where it's at. And if, if you're not getting any radio play, nobody's going to know about the record to begin with, you know, except a few people that come to your shows, you know. How um, do you, how do you decide on the songs that you're going to perform? Obviously the ones that, people know but that's an easy part of it but what about filling out the rest of the show how do you how do you make those song selections it's so hard i mean we've got as many records as we do and you've got to play what people want to hear and people want to hear the hits they don't want to hear the whole new album you know they want to hear the hits they want to hear once been twice shy they want to hear save your love they want to hear rock me they want to hear desert moon you want to hear lady red light you know and you got to play those so you try to buffer that with some new stuff 
and but it's never enough to really make a dent in their in their subconscious mm-hmm. you know because people are just they're kind of waiting for the new song to get over so they can listen to another <laughs> hit. Mm-hmm. And little did they know if they listened to it, it would become a hit. You know right, I mean? of course. Like some of our best work is is was done after the band split up. I think Can't Get There From Here is an amazing, I mean, Can't Get There From Here and um, He Saw It Coming, uh, my two favorite great white albums. I mean, just, I just think, and I mean this with all humility, I think they're brilliant records. I mean, he, he saw it, uh, he saw it coming to me was just a fine piece, fine piece of work as you can get. I mean, it was eclectic. It was a uh, it, it was something out of the ordinary. You know, it wasn't something you'd expect from Great White or Jack Russell's Great White, I should say. Um, so you know, it's uh, it, it's we just keep plugging along. We're in the middle of another record right now. Um, so we should have one out here probably in the next year. We've been, been taking our time, been touring a lot. So it's difficult to tour and, and record at the same time, especially now that I, I moved. I moved out of state. I don't live in California anymore. Yeah, it is. It is you have to find the time with the band and get into the studio, find the right studio and, and all of that. Fortunately, we have our own studio. Our guitar, nice. Our guitar okay. Good. So that makes it easy. That cuts the expenses down, you know? Absolutely. We pay them for them later, but, you know, we don't have to have money to go in. Right, you know? right. I think something you said earlier about the fans that want to hear just those hits, I wonder if that's sort of the, the emotional connection to the band with the fans, meaning there's a negative and a positive. The negative is it's hard to introduce new songs to fans who are want to hear the hits. But at the same time, that's a connection for them that brings them to a certain point in their lives that they remember and they enjoy and they enjoy the band. So I think there's that emotional component in addition to how good the songs are. And so it's hard to let in another new song or a new song that will hopefully have an emotional imprint. Because we we talked earlier about how you listen to a song to get out of a depression or you want to change your mood, you'll listen to a song. And I'm thinking it's so easy for them to listen to your hits and connect emotionally than to have to now listen to a new song, which as great as it would be, they would have a hard time assimilating on an emotional level. Yeah, absorbing it, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a tricky road, you know. I mean, it really is between uh, the, good, the old and the new. You know, you gotta, you gotta trade carefully, you know what I mean? You know, it's, it sucks because you want to play your new stuff, you know what I mean? But then the set's going to be five hours long, you know? Yeah, we exactly. got like, what, 12, 13, 14 albums, something like that? <laughs> That's uh, a it's, lot. It's ridiculous. I, I know. I, and here I am making more. What am I thinking? I saw, you know? <laughs> I saw one figure that said you guys sold over 10 million albums. So that, yeah. That's amazing when you think about it. A that, lot of people. Yeah, it is a lot, a lot of people. A lot of people spinning your disc, you know? Any time during the day, someone somewhere on the earth is thinking of us in some way. Those guys suck. They're great. <laughs> you know, you know, I love Jack Russell. I hate Jack Russell. But you, you know, <laughs> whatever the case may be, you got to figure somebody's thinking about you, which is pretty cool. It is. You're in their consciousness one way or the other. Right. Whether they want me there or not. Before I let you go, we have about a minute left. What do you see? 
you doing in the next year or two with the band? I know you're going to record, as you mentioned, a new album. You're going to be touring additional dates as well. Are you thinking yeah. of writing some songs or doing other things that we may not have heard about? Well, we're writing songs right now. We're about halfway down with a new album. We're still in the process of writing it because to follow up is a follow up he saw coming is, is a, a tough one, you know, because that's to me is a really, really good album. And I want to make sure that, you know, we we at least do something as good as, mm-hmm. you know, um, it's always you always try to better, you know, your, than your last performance. Absolutely. You know, but you don't always hit the mark, you know, but we try to, you know. Well, that's a great way to leave it. My guest has been Jack Russell of Jack Russell's Great White. The group will be performing this Friday, May 12th at 8 p.m. in the Golden Nugget, Las Vegas. For ticket information, go to goldennugget.com. For everything about Jack Russell and the band, go to jackrusselsgreatwhiteband.com. Jack, thanks for being on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate everything. You're welcome. See you next time. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Anything you want us to be.